Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. It is Thursday, August 3rd, and I was wrong. And I am big enough to admit it because my regular co-host is not with me today. And I'm told that we don't record the shows when Marty's not on. So the last thing I said yesterday when this show ended involved Troy Terry and the expected dollar figure on his new seven-year deal. And I said, he's going to come in just a little higher than Tage. Didn't happen. In fact, he got below 50 million, seven times seven. And there we are. All those who were eligible for arbitration are done. Troy Terry's a wealthy man moving forward. The Ducks are in a good position. And I can't sit here and say I'm in a better position because Marty's off for two days, but I will say I am in an elite position for the next two days because today, kicking it off in Marty's absence, is Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Elite. That's elite. a great word. It's it a is. great word, especially for me in August. I don't feel elite in August, but it is, is elite weather. Well, as you know, we have an aversion to the word unicorn on the show, so I certainly wasn't going to introduce you as that. And appreciative. Oh! <laughs> there it is. Goodness. It's almost like we plan stuff around here. Although sometimes the balloons misfire, you know, unintentionally. But uh, you can you can be sure... With my love for this particular defenseman, we're going to be talking balloons later in the show with a big happy birthday. But in all seriousness, we stay in regular contact. You obviously stay in regular contact with the hockey audience here, but we haven't sat down together to do this since the draft. We opened it up this morning at Sabres Live on Twitter, and the response was impressive, immediate, emphatic. People want to know your opinion, Chris, as far as, you know, what we've just witnessed in the past year as far as development from prospects, what they added at the draft, what you saw from development camp, and what you're intending and hoping to see when the prospects challenge rolls around in September. And then that rolls into the preseason and who knows, maybe even the start of the regular season as far as this next wave of prospects and the opportunities that they're going to get. So that's that's an impossible time frame to cover all in one uh, one short answer. But uh, where would you start in all of that based on where this team is right now organizationally? Well, I mean, it's kind of the same story of, of what we discussed a lot coming into the draft with the forward talent that they have. And it's such a great problem to have if you're Kevin Adams 
it was a critical developmental year and there were prospects that I think exceeded expectations, especially if we look at some of the young guys that came and played in Rochester last year mm-hmm. and they got some playoff experience where there was Yuri Kulik, uh, Isak Rosane. I think those are two names that exceeded expectations. They got better and better as the year progressed and really excited to see what they do moving forward as their bodies get bigger and they get stronger. Um, you know, but in the, you know, bringing it into the draft, you know, I'm still kind of surprised and shocked that they pulled in Zach Benson mm-hmm. at 13. Uh, just give this, this is no joke. Yeah. Like this is no lie because we went through the exercise the week of the draft and you did it on the mock draft. Like it was there for all to see. And you just didn't think Benson was going to be there when it came time for them to make that pick. No, I put him at 12 in that mock draft exercise that we did the week of the draft. And I still, I didn't feel right because he's such an outstanding all around player. That's going to have so much value to a lineup down the road. If he keeps progressing at the rate that he has, he's just an impressive competitor. That's going to have a lot of value to the lineup, but yeah, I was shocked that Buffalo got him. So I'm still feeling that, but even Duffer, like when you go into, you know, some of the deeper cuts in day two, they have some really nice players that they picked up there, you know, whether it was Wahlberg or Maxim Sturbach, two guys that we're going to see at the World Juniors this year, um, all the way through with Gavin McCarthy, all the way to the final pick. I mean, we saw these guys come in at development camp. So even some of the players that we didn't know a lot about, like Norwin Panaka was not a player that I was watching a lot. Okay, full disclosure in his draft year. And to see the makeup of his game, um, you know, you came away feeling like, wow, they just added even more chips to this already impressive stack that they have at the poker table there. And it's going to give them a lot of flexibility and competitiveness internally down the road. Now, this happens regularly, especially with high ranking first round picks. Um, but we had a question come in from Stephen just uh, for your thoughts, opinions on um, what we think the the quick signing of Benson's entry level deal means for this season. And the question is, is it basically just locking him up for whenever he turns pro? Or does he even have an outside shot of making the club this year? I think, well, it definitely is nice to just get it done. You get him in the system. It's formalized, right? You get him done. It gets Benson some walking around money. He gets a signing bonus. But it does give them the flexibility. If he comes in and he impresses, the contract's done. He can play some NHL games. And you can extend that look. Uh, it just gives them a lot of flexibility because that contract, now that he signed, uh, it can slide for up to two years. And, you know, so it gives them flexibility, um, both of this year and next, frankly, because he's also eligible to go back. He's in an NHL or WHL situation for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, you know, it doesn't really apply to like the slide rule is not going to apply to Benson for the AHL. But there is an example, like when you go back and you look at Alexander Nylander, he was eligible to go to the AHL. And if you remember, he was drafted in 2016, signed mm-hmm. his contract that July, came and went to Rochester. He played in Rochester for two years, and his meter did not start running yeah. on his entry-level deal for two years because of that early signing age that they got him under contract at, and he slid for those two years. So there was added benefits for different situations, but with Benson, I simplify it. It was getting him done, getting him in the system, and he does have a realistic chance. He could he could surprise a lot of people, and we know that there's potential opening as yeah. slight as it might be for him to do so. Yeah. Well, you'll appreciate this. My mom's now in her 80s, and I was just visiting over the weekend, and she was sitting there reading the newspaper and getting caught up on William Nylander's next contract. And she turned to me and said, didn't we have the other Nylander? <laughs> and before I could even say yes, she's like, he didn't do much, did he? <laughs> 
Yeah, we didn't have and his dad I, I or said, the other I said, one. well, he's in Pittsburgh now, so we'll we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out for him. But those are those are fun things for me, just knowing that that her my mom's appetite for this team and this game has never wavered from day one, you know, in 1970s. So although I don't think we ever really got into the nuts and bolts of entry level contracts, we we tend to keep it on ice discussion typically. But um, when you look at Benson in that list, right, of forward prospects, and, and that was one of the first things from Thomas when he reached out at Sabres Live, like, which of these guys right now have the best chance to make the starting roster? You You've just addressed Benson, but we have to address Savoy because he was the previous year's Benson. Uh, you have to look at Kulik and Rusek, who is the older of the bunch of the forwards. And yet that's almost tantalizing now because his age puts him in a, in a bit of a unique window among the prospects, almost like I can do this now kind of thing. Uh, Isaac Rosean, and then uh, obviously Ryan Johnson on the blue line and Noah Ostland, who's not going to be in North America this year, are a couple other guys to, to keep off to the side. But do you, do you often find yourself looking at a list and does it make it easier to pull one out of that list and plug it into what the Sabres currently are right now? Very difficult. I do look at the list. I get asked that question a lot, whether it's from friends or just folks on social media. Mm -hmm. And I think really what it boils down to is the role that they need that player to play. And I think that, that, that that's a hard question to answer. Also, you know, the Jack Quinn spot in the lineup could be filled by someone that's already been on the roster and has a, a greater book of NHL experience. Um, but I, I think that it comes down to, for me, you know, if I had to put a front runner in there, it's, it's Lucas Rusek, honestly, just because of the, and like not NHL experience, but professional experience. He had two years in the Czech league before coming over and playing, you know, a full season and plus some games at the end of that first year that he was in Roch and he's versatile and he's got the speed and he's a little more, you know, developed physically. Yuri Kulik though, we know that if he keeps on that trajectory that really happened in the second half of last year and he comes into camp and he's laser focused, which it sounds like there was a, a an interview that Kulik did recently with a Czech outfit. He's over there skating and Again, it's just words, but it sounds like he is just like NHL or bust this year. Mm -hmm. And that was that was even before the, the Quinn news popped. So, you know, those are two that I think have a little bit of an edge just based on what we saw from them and how they finished. Mm -hmm. But I, th the Savoy thing, it, it's such a wild card. I believe that they want to keep him around. And we kind of talked about it. it's not it's it's kind of the Shane Wright thing, but it isn't um, in a way. I mean, it could end up looking like the Shane Wright situation where. I believe that Savoy is going to come into camp and he's going to impress a lot of people. He's going to have that fall off season and get a little bit stronger. He's got the speed. He can play. You got to expect a guy like that, whether it's Benson or Savoy, they're mm -hmm. going to get knocked around a little bit, but they can compete. Both of them compete. We talk about Benson's compete all the time, but Savoy's got that also. And I just think it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, because even when they re-sign Jost, he's a guy that's in that that pile too, even though he's got the NHL experience. So he's are, not that big, old. <laughs> right. But there's a big pool of guys that are going to be yes. competing for a spot. And I think it's wide open now, yeah. you know, Rusek. Do you, think, do you ever think okay. green Greenway is in a competition too, even though it may not seem like the same competition? I think they all should be. I think they all should be in competition. Now that's just me saying it. Do I believe it? I don't know. Just because again, I think that they can comfortably put him in that, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12th forward spot. But he's a guy, though, they already tried to move him up at the end of the year. So again, you talk about the role that they're looking to fill. Have they already identified him as saying, look, we're going to start preseason and put him up on the Cousins line? 
I could see it happening because of the track record that Granado has with them. So I don't think anyone should be comfortable with all these young guys coming. And that's the beautiful thing about all the talent that they have. Mm -hmm. It's talent, it's competition, it's camaraderie though, too. Like as soon as we were showing you that, that opening night, that, that incredible NHL debut for Lucas Rusek, all I can think of was the fact that Kulik was sitting there in the stands watching him like that. And then, so one thing that I haven't had a chance to ask you about is the change in Rochester from an assistant coach standpoint with Pekka and Weber moving on and someone like Vatslav Prospel, who undoubtedly will <laughs> embrace the Czech mafia that exists. Like how, because you pay such close attention to prospect development, how did you feel about the news in Rochester when Pekka and Weber rightfully earned their 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 next steps in their careers and and the Sabres now have Nathan Page and Vatslav Prospel as assistants to Seth Appert. I was worried when they lost that, you know, NHL experience on the AHL bench in both Peck and Weber. Um, but I think they did a nice job replacing it. Nathan Page been around. He's been a very good, you know, member of the Sabres culture for a long time. But bringing Prospel in too, who had some bench boss experience overseas, it adds a different look. Like you can easily connect that stuff and say, okay, it's going to help a guy like Kulik and Rusek. And, you know, if they bring on other checks down the line, um, I don't see it that way. I think it's just the style of hockey and just adding a different flavor into the development and the systems, perhaps, you know, he could lend uh, different looks and different ideas all the way up in the whole system to Granado as well. Um, both being a longstanding NHL player, but also getting away from North America and going overseas. And um, I like the move. I think it's different. The Prospel thing I did not expect, but he was a player that I liked when he was playing in the NHL. And I'm kind of curious to see what he does with those young guys, but like you have to reserve judgment, right? Until you kind of mm -hmm. see how he translates to those young players. But I'm, I'm encouraged. It's a different look that I wasn't expecting. No. And I think that's what I appreciate is the fact that, you know, Seth Appert has been really honest and easy to deal with the last couple of years. Even when you get in those, those ruts of time where things feel like they're similar and or repetitive. It was often just the truth that Seth kept saying, and it was on us to eventually believe it. And more often than not, it came to fruition. So if he says a guy like Prospel comes to him and says, there's a lot more I need to learn and want to learn, and I don't have all the answers despite playing 1,200 games, you know, give or take in the NHL, then that is pretty cool. And, and you're right. I think the way... And, and the enthusiasm with which Prospel often played with can wear off and impact any young developing player, no matter what their nationality is, not to mention the dips that they inevitably go through because Prospel had long stretches too that were not his best or favorite moments uh, to be in the midst of. So uh, that's, he was completely different player than Pekka. That's why I think it's really interesting that he kind of represents the forward group 1200 NHL games. I forgot about that number. Yeah, I'm throwing I'm throwing everything into the blender there, right? Like playoffs yeah, and regular playoffs. season, but but you know, basically, yeah. So, it's 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 a boatload. No, it is. I think a guy like that he he's just going to rub off on guys. You know, I think it might take him a little bit of time, but I mean, hockey's a global game. Let's face it, right? I think he, he's going to plug right in, but I'm eager to see, you know, the Sabres have had more European influence in their prospect ranks. We went so long without this organization taking any Europeans for the longest time. And now you have Russians, you have mm -hmm. Czechs, you know, they've, they've always really been more, you know, Swedish oriented. And there's still a lot of those as well that are going to be coming in waves, I think here in the next couple of years. But um, 
No, great hire. And I'm just, I'm really curious to see the interaction, not just with the players, but also Seth Appert, because Seth Appert, you know, he comes from USA Hockey. The Sabres seem to have that focus on USA Hockey. And, and uh, now they've, they've gone out and they've just brought on a different look. And I'm, I'll be looking for changes in the system too, to see if there's things that Prospel's going to help implement mm-hmm. in the farm that maybe make their way up to the top club. Um, speaking of the program, you basically unveiled uh, to me remnants of said program uh, in the form of a little paperwork you were carrying around earlier today. It was it was made more noteworthy or uh, relevant in today's news cycle because Troy Terry's name was on it. But it was a it was a All American Prospects game, right? That was played here in Buffalo, twenty. 20- 14 that was 2014, that portfolio over my shoulder. I went into it the other day to grab a pen and I pulled out the roster from the 2014 CCM USA Hockey All-American Prospects game. Yeah. And, and Troy Terry is on there. Fourth liner. And a fourth liner. So there's two teams, right? 24 forwards in the lineup. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Troy Terry was a fourth liner. On there, that was the year, of course, Jack Eichel was top line, rightfully so, in his draft mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just goes to show you, right? There were some other fun names on that list, by the way. Christian Casey Fisher Fitzgerald. and Brendan Warren were top liners on the one side. That's right. And, um, you know, but Troy Terry, that just goes to show you, though. It's like, I, that's why I sent you it after this morning. I'm like, look at this fourth yeah. liner in a prospects game. Yeah. And now he's a multi, multi millionaire. But, like, to me, the Terry contract this summer was always going to be super fascinating because. He's had such a similar path to Thompson through the program, not being a top guy at the program, entering into the NHL. The only difference was draft selection. Obviously, Tage went way higher, but then they come through their entry level. Nothing's really established. Then they signed basically the same 1.4 mid-range deal and then both took off at the exact same time and almost had side-by-side exact stats a year ago. And then Thompson got the deal then on the heels of his first breakout year terry was unable to capitalize in that window unfortunately was not healthy for the better part of this year and didn't max out like tage did this year but even then that's where it was like this is too obvious like terry's going to get almost the same deal as thompson and he did even though they were off by about 30 points this season the future growth outlook, I think, for both is probably going to be pretty close all the way through, although I suspect Tage will have a higher end. Oh, I think for sure. I, I believe so. Like kind of along those lines, stuff for like I've been constantly surprised by Troy Terry. Mm-hmm. Constantly surprised. With Thompson, you could always see it coming. Terry just always oh, just kind of crept up and crept up. But no, I love the deal. But I just I love, you know, from from someone who watches prospects all the time. It just goes to show you, they're not all just, you know, they're kind of lottery tickets later on in the draft, Yeah. but late round players, they matter late round picks and developing them. They all matter. It's not just about those first and second round guys. And I just, I love the the Troy Terry story and congratulations to him on an amazing contract. It's going to set him up pretty well for a while. Yeah. So there were 24 cases that were filed for arbitration this year. Only three of them ended up getting awards but that's still a high number as we talked about yesterday on the show we we typically have not seen many sometimes it's one sometimes it's zero the top four money makers coming through this year's class of guys who filed timo meyer who actually settled before his hearing date was even scheduled he got eight years at 8.8 alex debrinkett 
four years, 7.875, and a trade included in the middle of that between Ottawa to Detroit. Vince Dunn, four years, 7.35, and Troy Terry, seven times seven. So those are the four that just by going through the process ensured that there was going to be something done, but they all ended up being in a pretty great place. Although it could be said that Debrinket never got the money that a year ago he would have been expecting. Yeah. And I think, I mean, of those, I'm still a little surprised by the Vince Dunn deal. I don't know how you feel about that. Like all those other ones, I can definitely kind of, I think it had to happen based on where Seattle was, who who is their clear go-to guy. Marty had some wonderful analysis on Dunn's game away from just the offensive zone. uh, When, when that deal came about and Shana Goldman, who will be on with us tomorrow had made some incredible observations of Ron Francis as a general manager historically and what he almost always refuses to do with defensemen and that is pay them where so I know why you're surprised because you have all those instincts in you and you think whoo that's a lot of money for Vince Dunn but I just think the timing was perfect but even then from a team standpoint the term is kind of perfect there four years is not an outrageous commitment right I don't think at this point in time in Dunn's career it's not. And you, you, we always have to remember, you're paying the player for what you're expecting them to do, not what mm-hmm. they've done. So what does that tell you about Ron Francis? He's expecting a lot from this guy in the next four years. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where, you know, again, I look at that and I was just, I was just surprised. I can understand it. But of those four that you mentioned, that's the one that stands out to me is like, I'm still working my way through that. But I, I can see it making sense with some of the analysis that Marty did, because I do recall that. So those were those were the big dollar deals, but you just said it. You're constantly projecting. So here we are. You're on for the whole show, and we've got nothing but questions at Sabres Live, including one from Ed, which is probably the most important, if I if I could even put it that way, because everybody wants this question answered, and there's no way to answer it. <laughs> but But you're here, and you're going to try. Can a club have too many good prospects, especially when you don't have too many open spots at the NHL level for them? Oh, never too many, never too many. No, I think that we, we kind of touched upon it a little bit earlier. Creating competition is great. Okay. Especially if you mix where the prospects are drafted out of. Okay. Because like I go shopping every week and I'm looking at them saying, I got to eat all this food. But a lot of times you can draft a player out of Europe or Russia and you throw that meat in the freezer for a couple of years. Spacing out the prospects is good. So you're creating competition. You're, you're always going to have a supply multiple years down the line of good players. More importantly, though, you know, number one, as you start paying your premium players top dollar, that creates more of a need to have guys in entry level contracts in on your payroll for your cap purpose. There's a lot of that that you have to factor in. But also, I think that it's all currency. And I think the more prospects you have, the depth of high end prospects at different positions, it gives you flexibility to make trades at all times of the year. Not just the offseason, but also at the deadline. You could outbid someone if you have a higher-end prospect that a team wants, and that could be the decision-maker that's going to, when Kevin Adams is at that point Mm -hmm. in his growth as a general manager, and as his team starts knocking at the door, and we know they're coming, you know, there's going to there's going to be prospects that they're going to have to make tough decisions on that maybe a couple years ago, they're like, we have to hold these guys. We don't have anybody else. Now you have all flexibility all over the place. 
Yeah. And the more you said that, the more I was thinking about how often you hear when teams are involved in in trade situations for which whatever reason, and sometimes it's out of necessity, which often then comes with the label like you're not dealing from a position of strength because everybody sees that you've got X, Y, and Z injuries. You have to make a move to try to boost and save the current group. Well, having a deep pool can help level the waters, right? Because you know you've already made your projections and you can then internalize and say, okay, we don't, we didn't want to have to make this move now, but we can level this trade opportunity by including this player and still having two to three to four similar types of this player in the system, correct? 100%. 100%. I don't think they're there yet, but in the forward ranks especially, it's coming. I yeah. mean, if you look at the prospects that the Sabres have right now, and it's not just Savoy and Benson that we talked about or Cooley, you go a little bit deeper down the list with Poltapov. I think he's a legitimate NHL player who's not going to come here for two years. Noah Ostland is an NHL player. Mm-hmm. And look at the guys they have on the roster that are young. I mean, Paterka and Quinn were just drafted. And Cousins. Mm-hmm. They were just drafted a couple of years ago. And Krebs. I mean, you, Krebs, <laughs> right? You have an abundance. So maybe they are yeah. already there, Duffer. Now they now the team has to just get into those one of those top couple of playoff spots mm-hmm. and they start making noise. And then they say, you know, we're one player away. They're gonna have the tools to get a deal done that they that didn't exist a couple of years ago. The Russians may have stolen uh a big chunk of the spotlight at development camp, but the one you just mentioned was not a part of it. And we've had a lot of tweets today about him. Elaborate on the next one that will eventually sign and come over, even though we don't know how many years away that is. Yeah. So with the Russians themselves, okay, so we've seen Novikov and Nyachev and we saw Kizakov, right? Um, Steven Sardarian is the other Russian that they recently taken. He's got some time in uh, at UNH. But the one that you're speaking about, Prokhor Poltapov, uh, a winger, he could play both sides. And he's a prospect that I really like because of his versatility. So just to level set expectations for him, okay? He has two years left on his deal with Seska. Here's why I like him. At a young age, he built a resume last year. His coach is Sergei Fedorov, by the way who's really helping him round out his game. Sergei Fedorov scored a lot. He also was a great defensive forward. And you can see the coaching being applied to Poltapov's game. He can move up and down the lineup. This is a versatile player. Play with your skill guys. Can put him with a third line role where he can manage those minutes. He's dogged on the forecheck. He competes. We and, and I recently read an interview with him. And I seen pictures of him. Haven't watched him yet. But he looks bigger. He looks ready. I talked about a Yuri Kulik interview that he did in the Czech Republic where he's laser focused on coming in and playing in the NHL. Poltapov is all about, I'm going to make an impression this year. Guys are going to have to know how to defend me. They've seen me. I'm going to make it hard for them. He's saying all the right things, but he looks bigger and thicker. And he just has, uh, I, I just like his NHL outlook. So, you know, I, I tweeted a picture of him yesterday. I just said legitimate NHL prospect. And the reason that I put that out there, it's like, it sounds obvious. Like, aren't they mm-hmm. all? No, he's a legitimate NHL prospect. And I think that Sabres fans just have to be patient, but I think he'll come two years left on his deal. The challenge for most from afar, when looking at players who get drafted, especially out of Russia, but most European leagues is in their draft year, they're often playing in a terribly reduced role at a senior level. And people are going, how can he have played 30 games, have one goal and one assist? And why is he ranked this high? So all that being said, What is Poltapov's likely role this year? And what could we realistically expect 
looking overseas at the numbers he could post. What do you see? Yeah, so his minutes were not going to blow you away, but we need to remember something. He came into last season, opened the season on a line with Grigorenko, which was a top two forward line for Seska. One of the top, they won the KHL championship. So what's that tell you right there going into last season? Fedorov already identified this very young player, and it's hard for young players, to your point, to get the big minutes there. This year, you want to see double-digit minutes, okay? He ended the season getting 9, 10, 11, okay? You want to see him get to 12, 13, 14 on the regular this year in, in the KHL. If he can score 10 goals, that's a good number, mm-hmm. okay? You want to see that, but you're still looking at the player, you still want to see his total game develop. You still want to see all these other little details that are going to make him a successful hockey player professionally, ideally in the NHL. You want to see him do everything that it's going to take. Part of the reason I like him is that at such a young age, playing against men, knowing he's maybe going to be outpowered and overmatched at times, he's got the mm-hmm. mentality. So, you know, you hate putting numbers on it. Um, but I mean, if he can get to double digit goals, yeah, that's a win. That's a win. It's a simple goal. And I believe he can, it's, it's something that's attainable for him this year. Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects in for Marty Baron today. Great to have him and uh, appreciate your questions coming in at Sabres Live, which we'll continue to answer with Chris as we continue on the show. The Sabres season opens on October 12th. We've been giving you plenty of options from our ticket department this year to get involved at whatever comfort level you're at and the number of games that you want to go see at KeyBank Center this year. Three different 11-game plans are available. We're talking about quarter-season plans. There's a weekend plan, a weekday plan, the all-star plan, which is best opponents and matchups enjoy significant savings from box office pricing and priority for playoff tickets. Sabres.com slash tickets. Head there now. We're back after the break on Sabres Live, WGR Sports Radio 550 at MSG. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome back. Marty is uh, off for a couple of days. Some uh, exciting family time for him. His parents are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary this weekend. So he's he'll be heading north and uh, enjoying that and uh, will rejoin us next week. And I have a feeling August is going to fly by, Chris Baker. It just seems like everybody's schedule is uh, loaded up. And uh, we're we're right in it today talking about Sabre prospects that a month from now will be itching for that opportunity to show their wares as we you know get into the prospects challenge once again here in Buffalo. And 
I think this is a really interesting question from from Brad. He said, who's the best Sabres forward prospect not drafted in the first round? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, boy, oh boy. I mean, you could look. That's that's a tough one. Um, not drafted in the first round. Right now, I would probably go with a player that we already spoke about, Pull Top Off. I think mm-hmm. that the versatility, I think that the gut, the gut instinct that I have that he's a surefire NHLer mm-hmm. to me puts him there. I don't think that's going to surprise someone, but I, I think that, you know, we can't sleep on Anton Wahlberg actually being a, a pretty nice NHL prospect. I want to see a little bit more from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from him this week, playing at the World Junior Summer Showcase. He opened up at wing in the first game in a blowout. Sweden just rolled to a 7 nothing win. He's played center the last two games. And they've uh, Sweden coaching staff has put him with two players that implies that he's going to have a pretty decent role this winter when the tournament goes live. Mm-hmm. But for me right now, it's pulled top off. He's a player that I don't irrationally over like. I just think that he's a legitimate NHL prospect. I, I, I give him the nod. So clearly, when you hear that question, you don't think necessarily of young players in Rochester because they're already... Because I would have assumed you would have said Rusak, who was a long ways from the first round, but it feels like you see him just kind of as a pro already, regardless of whether it's in Buffalo or Rochester, and you're identifying more those that are still looking to get kind of in the system, so to speak. It's always about projection, and that's the challenging yeah. thing. A lot of times you're in, you're looking at evaluating the long-term prospects of a player that's 18 versus someone who's 23. It's very mm-hmm. difficult, and a lot of times we have the benefit of history. But um, no, and, and I, I just, I again, I think that you know if you're projecting what the player is, I mean, I love Rusek plenty, but um, I just think Poltapov is going to be the real deal. Right, right. Now, as far as uh, you you mentioned um, Noah Osland briefly in our last segment, um, do you like the path that he's taking? Because I think some people in the we want it now era that we live in um, are probably a little surprised that that Osland has taken the path that he's chosen. I, the one thing I admire about him was he's brutally honest about it <laughs> right from the moment he got drafted. I think he knew what his likely path to North America w- would eventually be in the number of years. Um, how do you view Ostland the day he was drafted, what he is now, what he's going to go through, and ultimately what he might be? So I love the pace. I love the technical skill that he has in his game. He's he's, he's not Savoy, like everything's that fast firecracker, but he does play very fast. Um, he's a natural centerman. I think that you can't have enough of those players. With Oslin itself, to your point, it was always a two-year plan for him. I think he understood. But the reason was, it's like, I need, it's, it's not, I need to become a better hockey player. He's always doing that. It's that he wanted to take the time, knowing the differences in the European style of game and the North American style that he had to get stronger. This season with him staying back, um, he's going to move up a level. And, you know, apply his playmaking craft, because that's really what he is. At the night that he was drafted, Duffer, I used the term point guard. I don't know if you remember that. He runs the offense. He runs the power play like a point guard functions on the basketball court. I still see that with him as a pass first player, but he started to shoot a lot more this year. So he's moving to Vaxio. He's going to get bigger and stronger this year. He's already under contract. I understand the desire that Sabres fans would like to have him in Rochester this year, but I respect what he's doing. It's a different path. And, um, you know, it's part of that spacing of prospects. When you have a lot of forwards, space them out. There's no harm in that because, again, you're taking a long-term vision. 
We hear a lot about sustainable success that the Sabres are striving for. And I think mm-hmm. Oslin staying back a year is part of that whole process. Uh, how do you view the Amherst this year, especially the forward group? I mean, we can talk about the defense in a minute, but like, how do you view the Amherst given that, you know, kind of in consecutive patterns here, we've seen the Quinn Paterka era and then, you know, we saw Kulik and Rosean this year as, as not to mention Tyson Kozak, but like the, it's an opportunity. This group is still extremely young this year under Seth Appert up front, uh, despite the return of veterans like Mason Yops, Michael Mersh, uh, even Brandon Byro's got, you know, some age to him now. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, he's still trying to make that next step too. How do you, how do you view this group and what intrigues you the most about it? I think they're going to be competitive. I'm happy to see them actually have some defensive prospects, like legitimate, like draft picks coming into the system with Novikov and Ryan Johnson. Um, It's going to be hard to avoid being young at the AHL level. Um, I see, you mentioned Tyson Kozak. Mm -hmm. There's a line that I would love to see, because Seth Eppert's going to be running the bench at the Prospects Challenge. I would love to see him put, you know, Kozak with Cedarquist and Olivier Nadeau, start him in the Prospect Challenge and see if you can put them as a line that you deploy in Rochester, Mm. little things like that. That's why like the prospects challenge is super fun for me regardless, but, you know, kind of seeing, you know, trying to understand what you think they might do, but no, they're going to be young. I love You know, Isak Rosane, I'm not putting him in the hopper for an NHL job this year. I'm expecting big things from him Mm -hmm. next year. I want to see him take on a wider role on the penalty kill. Very smart with his stick. You know what I'm talking about, Duffer. You were calling those games in the playoffs and you saw him make some key plays Mm -hmm. when he didn't have the puck. Um, so the next stage of his development, I'm excited for, but I think they're going to be very competitive again and um, shoring up the goaltending. Always a big part to success at the AHL level, and they got some nice veteran depth there, too. So, no, they they replaced some of the losses with some very reputable AHL veterans, and they're going to be a pretty competitive club. Let's talk more about the blue line. They have a returning leader in Prow. They have a familiar pairing in Sacconi and Davies. Um, Kale Clegg is likely to be there based on the sheer numbers in Buffalo of bodies right now, despite the fact that Clegg played a lot with the Sabres last year. I'm going to present you with a question that I'm sure you've thought of and or heard of, but as you look at a potential depth chart of, of this Amherst group, and it includes, like you said, prospects in Novikov and Johnson, who are left shot defensemen. Knowing what we know about the current Buffalo Sabres, do you suspect that Ryan Johnson will start as a right defenseman in Rochester, knowing that it might be his best path to bigger minutes and a greater role in the Sabres' future? I do. I do. And by the way, we haven't talked about Zach Metza oh, either, right? We'll save so that for another time because you can hear yeah. it. In my, like, I like yes. this kid a lot. And right. he's for him to come in late in the year like he did last year and stay in the lineup through the whole playoffs, not easy to do. But we'll focus on Ryan Johnson right now. Oh. Yeah, so Johnson as a player, he relies on his mobility in the defensive zone. And I think that he'll be able to make, um, I think he'll be able to play either side ultimately. But there's nothing, there's two ways to look at it. I'm okay making him uncomfortable to learn. That's part of what the AHL is. Um, it's hard enough, I understand, uh, acclimating to the pro game. 
He had four years of college. He's ready for the speed of the AHL. And I think it's going to be a simpler transition than maybe what we've seen historically from other young players making that jump. So, no, I think that that's the route that they should go is putting them on that side. Um, not just for the path, but they need to shore up the depth there organizationally also. It makes well, sense. So how much did you, this is a tough question. I mean, I know Owen Power did it too, but like how much did you actually notice him playing the the right side while he was in college? Not much. Yeah. Not much. No, they kept him on his natural side. And that's why I'm saying make him uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, even that year he played World Juniors, he was on that left. So his lengthy stay in college has him in what position because obviously you know I, I was just reading about it before we came on air like with minnesota and all their situation and cap hell and all that like they're getting brock faber as a pretty polished defenseman coming out of college right how yep. polished is johnson right now after all his maturation time at the ncaa level well, I'm glad you used the word maturation because I, I remember seeing Ryan Johnson when he's a very young player. I had my mm -hmm. niece and nephew playing in Southern California and Ryan Johnson would come up with the junior ducks and there would be a buzz in the rink. This kid's coming up, you know, playing Bantam AAA. And I used to, you see, I remember seeing him play. Mm -hmm. He was always the best player there. Um, and he's just always become a very solid. He, he, right now, if you look at where he is now, he's a very mature defensive defenseman. He's using his body more. He's smooth. Uh, the way that he shifts his balance, uh, works his edges. Uh, I just, I like his game. It's now just about watching him just kind of get used to the pro game and just kind of jump right in and be a confident performer. I have uh, a very good feeling about his defensive acumen. And that's what I need my defenseman to do. Be strong defensively. Mm -hmm. If he's selective, moving the puck, that's fine. He has the tools to move it, but you know, I, I like his game. I like his game. I have full confidence in him being a very solid performer that will get some NHL minutes, probably in short order. How was your time in the broadcast booth uh, during the three on three games at the development camp? You know, and, I as love... you know, Marty and I got punted this year just to make room for you and Razor and Dan. So we, 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 we didn't quite have that same connection we often do. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing the space with oh. me, Duffer, as always, just like you are today. But, uh, you know, that's hard, man. Okay, three on three, up and down, and you're trying yeah. to like, jam in some nuggets for color analyst uh, work. No, but um, the, the biggest takeaway for me was I loved uh, Dan and Razor seeing Zach Benson for the first time. Good, yeah. Because I love they saw seeing stuff through other people's eyes, yeah. Stick on stick, stick on puck, and, you know, Razor likes to slow cook, guys. He's very much like, hey, let's pump the brakes on the prospects. Let's slow cook everyone. And he's like, wow, this guy's really good. He was very mm -hmm. surprised. So that was my biggest takeaway. And I, I wasn't like, I told you so, you know what I mean? That's, I was, I'm, I'm not like that anyways with him, but um, it was really cool for the engagement level that Razor had. Cause I think yeah. he understands he's going to be seeing this player sooner rather than later. Well, next wave of prospects we see is at the challenge, which is the annual event at Lecom Harbor center, September 15th to 18th. And obviously it's a six team event with the Sabres, Bruins, Habs, Devils, Sens, and Penguins all involved. Tickets will be going on sale this month. So Sabre season ticket members will have priority access to tickets at a preferred rate for the prospects challenge, which is coming up next month here in downtown Buffalo. That's also part of uh, Sabres fan fest that weekend. So come down to alumni plaza on, September 16th and enjoy the day. We'll get into some hockey birthdays and a little bit more. Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects right after this here on Sabres Live. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. 
Three-minute blast to end the show. We were talking Rochester during the break. Todd chimes in at Sabres Live. Last second here. What do you guys think the Amherst goalie situation is going to look like on night one? Chris. Amherst? Yeah. Tukarski. <laughs> okay, I was thinking you might say Comrie. I was thinking you might say Cooley. <laughs> but, all right, there's your answer. Tukarski, I'm, pl- it I'm is. playing it straight. I'm playing all it right. straight. Birthdays. Let us dive in and we'll start with hockey because it is a hockey show after all. Happy 28th to Stanley Cup winner Shea Theodore. And yes, this incredibly cap-friendly contract defenseman is 28. And I can only ask you this. If the Ducks had a do-over when the expansion draft was upon them and they made a deal with Vegas so that Vegas would take Clayton Stoner and his 3.2 million hit so that they would avoid picking Josh Manson or Sammy Vatanen and in the process gave up Shea Theodore for essentially nothing. How would you do it over if you were the Ducks? Oh my God, that's a lot to take in there. I think it's I think it's keep Shea Theodore at any cost, right? I think that's kind of the only answer. That's a oh. lot of moving pieces, but yeah, what a looking back, wow, right? Shea Theodore. What do you great, love about him? Great junior player. I remember watching him at Seattle Thunderbirds, such a great skater. You know, such an offensively wired player that you knew he had the size, he had all the projectable traits to becoming the defenseman that he is today. And, uh, you know, there's a funny thing too, right? Like the Sabres drafted a defenseman last year, mm. um, Matt's Lindgren. He was with Cam Loops when the Sabres selected him. And that offseason was moved to Red Deer. Mm-hmm. Former NHL player Brent Sutter made a comparison when, when announcing the acquisition of, of Matt's Lindgren. And he said, he reminds me of Shea Theodore, Theodore and how he plays yeah. the game. And, and they're kind of similar in terms of leaning on their skating and their agility and their edge work. Because when you watch Matt's Lindgren, that's what he brings is that puck transporter. And the Sabres could only hope that they mm-hmm. get a player close to the impact that Shea Theodore has made in the NHL. What a contract by George McPhee. Theodore played one year for him. He gave him seven years, 5.2. It has paid off and then some. And in since joining Vegas, Shea Theodore is third in playoff scoring by defensemen behind only Hedman and McCarr. In fact, in the six playoff years, He's tied for 17th in overall playoff scoring with Steven Stamkos. Like this guy has been so good, so quietly good. The numbers could just go on and on. Happy birthday, Marv Levy and James Hatfield as well from Metallica. Oh man, there's a jam session I'd like to join. Marv singing with Metallica. How do you think that would one would look? Uh, I honestly can't tell, but it's time to fade to black. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Bakes. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.